Hello and welcome back to What Is Your Working Class, the podcast dedicated to exploring the variety that exists in working classness. And today I'm joined by the creative director of the Lit Theatre Company and the founder of Women in Theatre East Midlands, Orla O'Connor. To stay up to date on all new episodes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at What Is Your Work One and on your chosen podcast provider. Thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey Orla, how are you? Hello, I'm well. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I've managed to sort out my lighting, kind of. I'm sort of looking a bit like a ghost. How about you? What have you been up to? Oh, I'm good. I think my lighting's okay. I'm facing yeah. the window. Oh, natural, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yes, I'm good. I, I'm very well. My two children are at school, so this is the time when I get to do a bit of work before I have to go and pick them up. Oh, nice. How have they found it getting back into school after COVID and everything? My youngest, um, she's seven. She's really enjoyed it. She's Mm. loved getting back to school. It's done the world of good. My eldest, he's 12. He would just happily stay at home Mm -hmm. all time. (laughs) But then he'd have me as his teacher. So I don't think he'd be too chuffed about that. (laughs) You know, is that worth the sacrifice? So I suppose the best way to start is asking, what is your class background? Uh, My my class background is working class and benefit class. I grew up in a single parent household in the 80s and 90s, mid-noughties as well. Um, I grew up in a council estate in Coventry and it was also a mix of privately owned houses and council houses and at the local school it was a real mix of working class predominantly working class and then middle class kids as well it was a lovely upbringing it was um, a really nice place to grow up but that council estate where I grew up doesn't exist anymore because like so many in the country it's just been diluted Mm. that there isn't that sense of community and I remember when I used to walk home from school there'd be people sitting on their doorsteps and you'd say hello to them Mm. and I'd get down to my front door my mum would be sitting there she'd be having a cigarette and a natter with a neighbour and having a cup of tea and everyone got on and there was a real sense of community this working class community and where we were in Coventry there was factories nearby the car factories so Mm. some people worked there or some people were cleaners or whatever there was you know this real working economy in the area and my mum actually went to university when I was seven, uh, which I just thought was amazing mm. that she did that. Looking back now to have a child and be a single parent and then go to university and she studied social studies. So obviously that trickled through to me mm. when we talk about the dining table. But what a lovely thing that happened and we used to often joke about it is that my mum was like, the Ken Barlow was a street. Do you ever right. remember? Do you, if you ever watched Coronation Street, oh, everyone would go to, Are you kidding? <laughs> everyone always goes to Ken Barlow for a bit of help or advice. But what would happen is, is that my mum would read for, read letters for people or do the replies to the letters on her word processor. Mm. That shows how old I am. Is that my mum had a word <laughs> processor when she went to university? She got that and just kind of she'd offer just guide them through what the forms were or the letters were it could be from the benefits agency or housing or the council but that also worked both ways as I remember once we had loads of neighbours around trying to get a cut down a tree in the back garden and that kind of turned into a little bit of a party afterwards mm. when we got this tree down or my mum didn't drive then so we didn't have a car 
And if anyone needed, if she needed a lift anywhere, somebody would give her a lift. Mm. So that's the community that I grew up in. But as I said, that's just not around anymore. That sort of working class community and that council estate in Coventry will be very different now. Did you get to or did you see the decline in that sense of community as you were growing up? Well, I think it was I did start to see it when I was there. So when I was in my latter years of secondary school, so that would have been we were about 2001 and people were starting to buy their houses Mm. because we had the right to buy. But I don't think people did it straight away. And then families moved away, they sold their houses or they'd let it out to somebody else. So, you know, this, the, the estate started to change. The known community started to change. But I suppose at that point I felt that, oh, it's just new faces, new families. Mm. You know, we'll all just connect again. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. The people were moving in and out really quickly and there wasn't a chance for us to kind of bed in and get to know each other. But mm. now when I've been back it's just completely different yeah I think I did start to see the start of it but maybe that was me getting older I don't know maybe it almost sounds like um a shift going on between having a house and having a home and what that psychological difference is of a sense of belonging of people maybe going well we'll buy this house we'll live here for a couple years then we'll sell it and get somewhere a bit nicer yeah sort of mentality Was there a class consciousness in the community itself? You sort of talked about your mom studying social studies. And so you would get that idea of class from her. But was that something that was present in the community as a whole? I would say no. No, No, not at all. We just were. We just were. Mm. We existed. We were there. And we just all pulled together as a community. I felt like we all got on really well and it was a really respectful and calm community. But there was times when my mum would say to me in the morning, did the police horses not wake you up? Like running through the estate and like all the police with their batons. And I was like, no, no idea. So it was a sketchy estate. It did, it did have its, um, its problems. But no, I don't, I don't think people would have I don't think back then people would have said oh yes I'm working class but this might be also because we were start we were in the 90s mm. when we were starting that and in 80s and 90s when working classes start to be diluted mm. and that we were the aspiring middle classes so for somebody to go oh, I'm working class wasn't wouldn't have really happened mm. although they were yeah I'm always curious whether that's a a good thing or a bad thing that there, were, there is this idea of being a working class community, but it wasn't recognised as being working class. And whether yeah. that identification is important to what goes on or whether what matters is that there is a community. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I think really, I think now that I'm older, I would agree with the latter that it's what matters is a community mm. for sure. But yeah. <laughs> don't know don't think there's an answer to that question (laughs) it's just such a huge question isn't it yeah (laughs) you know just uh, just easy questions for you you know just (laughs) um how did you get into making theatre oh well I always loved performing but no I always loved drama Uh, we did it at school we had a teacher that just quite fancied doing a bit of drama as well so I loved that I was totally on board with it and going to a catholic school 
Um, you might guess by the name, Orla O'Connor, that <laughs> I'm second generation Irish. I, I mean, a pretty good guess, you know, but no one to assume. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, when it was Christmas time and the nativity rolled up, like, that's, that's what we were all about. But we had this one teacher, he, like, flipped all the roles. So instead of the three wise men, it was the three wise women. And I was on board with that. Oh, yeah. That was brilliant. <laughs> so I played one of the wise women. And then after, when I was about secondary school age, I went to open access theatre so I didn't have to pay to go. And I just loved being somebody else. I think it was the time for me to escape and just be whoever I wanted to be. And I think that's very much what it's like for everyone else. And just being around other people. Mm. And you can just gad about a bit and be silly and it's okay and I think theatre is a, a very safe space if you've got the right practitioners it's a safe space for you to share ideas get things wrong test the water and that seems a perfect fit for me as a young person and that sort of led into your work today with the lit theatre company and the culture hub in Nottingham yeah so could you maybe tell us a little bit more about that yeah, sure. So Lit Theatre, we set up in 2020. So right in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. why not give ourselves a bigger <laughs> challenge and we'll set up a theatre company? So it's myself and the associate director, Michael Radford. Um, we're both working class, so it's working class led theatre company. Mm. And we wanted to make theatre that really responded to the communities of Nottingham. And our kind of ethos is, is that we embed ourselves with the community and that when we make theatre it's an exchange rather than a prescription so rather than an organisation coming in and saying we know what you want mm. we know what you need here is a workshop for you there you go goodbye you've yeah. had a little bit of culture we've been at the receiving end of that as young people mm. we've had experience of working with practice and we've done that but also we've been we've worked in organizations and been witness to that sort of practice, which I think is a little bit dated now. So we kind of looked at Nottingham. We knew that we wanted to make theatre. So we've planted ourselves in the outskirts of Nottingham City um, in an area called Bilborough. There aren't many arts provisions for the community out here. So we wanted to make something that was open open access so yeah. coming around again full circle like we knew what worked for us myself and Michael knew that open access theatre was really important to us so um one of the things that we do is that we've got a young company and they are in their mid-teens and we work together like a company of actors mm. um we share skills with them we make work with them um I've lost my train of thought now, Aidan. <laughs> Sorry, right? <laughs> I suppose I thought about community theatre making. Did you have any fears going into it of working with the community and trying to convince people that, hey, we want to work with you and trying to address that sort of parachuting professional idea that you were talking about earlier? No, I would say not really because, mm. well, it's only because of experience. So I've worked in theatre for 15 years now mm. and it's always been in a collaborative way. Um, and the buzzword in theatre at the moment is co-creation. But for a lot of working class practitioners, we've always co-created work. Mm. The funding might be a little bit short or 
who can we work with on this? Who's really good at getting a dialogue going with the community? And we all pull together and come together. And actually, I think working class theatre practitioners have got a really good knack of really listening to what a participant mm. wants and needs and how they access theatre. And um, one of the things that um, happened with the young company we run in the Bilbrough area and they're going to be part of a wider theatre project that we're doing. But it's really important for them that they understand how funding works. Mm. Also, is that they know what happens backstage and how they can be theatre makers in the future. And I think when you do work collaboratively with communities, you've got to be really aware that it's a long relationship. Mm. You can't just go straight in and say, we've got this for you, going back again to, you know, that old model of, Here's a little sprinkling of culture for you. Mm-hmm. We know what you need. You have to you have to go in and build a relationship because it's an exchange, isn't it? It's an exchange with the community. The community will come to the table. They are bringing their knowledge, their vision, their experiences. And then as artists, you're coming with your expertise on the form and the knowledge on how to make a story visually appealing to an audience. So there's a constant exchange of skills And I think you have to give that relationship long time to bed in and for it to be meaningful for both sides and an audience that's going to view your work. I completely agree with you. It's sort of, it is that weird thought of why, why was it that the culture industry sort of went into the sprinkling of culture or we know what you need method. And I don't know whether it's just because of, um, uh, austerity and how the funding was set up that a lot of these big companies like speaking from a classical music perspective feel that oh this is all we can really do without changing what we fundamentally do and I suppose whether we're reaching a point now where a lot of the big organizations need to look at the way they did work and whether they possibly do need to evolve in the future to be a bit more community focused yeah, definitely. I think with larger venues, there's this thought that the participation work seems to be a satellite idea mm. to what is going on in the building. And then what is going, what's being programmed in the building, it won't appeal to everybody. Of course it won't. The work that you do won't appeal to everyone that you do. But are you making sufficient considerations for all the communities you serve? Are you having consultations with them? to make sure you are serving them in the stuff that you're programming very often is no. Mm. And if you haven't got the participation relationship with them, then how do young people also have that through thread to become part of this institution that they already feel very separate from? And I think class is a massive barrier in that, in theatre. You know, traditional theatre is um, don't speak, don't speak when the show's on. Mm. Not a massive problem. It's not the end of the world, you know, it's okay. And feeling that you have to get dressed up or Mm. that you have to pay £40 for a ticket. Like for a regional theatre, a lot of regional theatres have £40 tickets for shows. That's that's not going to get working class people. No, that's not cool. And I think one of the reasons why we wanted to have a hub in Nottingham, but also not in the city centre, was to make sure that there's a physical place where people can tour and bring theatre to your doorstep, but also a place where you can go and go, I've got all this cultural capital within me. Mm. How do I make that into into theatre? So the massive thing about it was access. 
mm. for, from that point of view for the hall. Physically, people find it hard to go into the city centre, but mm. also there's that barrier as well that old theatre, it's very middle and upper class. Mm. And being a contemporary theatre maker myself, I love theatre that's outside, theatre that just pops up. And when we work particularly like with a young company, they're slowly starting to realise actually theatre can just happen everywhere. We can mm. do it wherever we want. It doesn't have to be on a stage with the curtains and the audience in silence. How can we have a, an exchange with the audience? Mm. How do we start a conversation? Because for me and the theatre company, and I know for Michael as well, is that we're very social, socially and politically motivated in the theatre that we make. And I hope, and I think it does attract uh, young people and people of all ages to become theatre makers with us mm. and go actually okay let's use theatre as a tool for change what do we want to say mm. what conversation do we want to start mm. in the work with the culture hub and the theatre company and the young company do you talk at all about the history of working class theatre I'm thinking obvious example Shauna Delaney and saying hey look it did exist or is it more sort of focused on the um what is current for your lives and let's make theatre from that yeah I think the latter mm. I I would rarely talk about class with young people or any group unless it was something that organically came up in a conversation mm. they know that that's who we are and that's how we identify but I'm not sure if that's how the young people identify mm. but I know that when I'm in the room with the young company and other groups that we work with is that we do have shared experiences. Mm. Our lived experiences are the same now or maybe in the past. Mm. So no, it's, we don't, we wouldn't say that with the group, that's such an in interesting question, but I think it's more about making theatre accessible to these communities rather than you're a working class community, let's do this then. There's a lot in, in Nottingham, there's a lot of theatre that you can pay for, but we know that they can't pay for it. Mm. And we know that they've got a passion for performance and theatre. And they're very talented as well. I mean, mm. if you're not talented, you can still take part in theatre. Yeah, That's the wonderful thing of it. That's the wonderful thing of art, isn't it? How have you found it in seeking funding for this community work? I think we're getting there. I think Arts Council England are starting to take the steps in the right direction. I don't know if you have a look at the ACE funding apps. Mm. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, let, let that speak volumes, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, it changed recently mm. and it's become a bit of an essay, but, you know, that's okay. There's, there's two things that have happened in this new funding application that I really actually really like and mm. I welcome. One of them is their mo um, monitoring form. Mm-hmm. And in that, I don't know if you've noticed, it's not verbatim, probably not going to say it very well, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's, what was the job of the highest earner in your household when you were 14? Mm. That's such a mouthful. Yeah. But that's a class question, isn't it? That's mm -hmm. what that is asking. Yeah, it's not. It's probably not the best one, and I'm sure we'll find better ways of doing But I like that we're starting to take that step forward, that now they're starting to monitor it brilliant and then there's also another question again it's not verbatim but it says something along the lines of 
How does your workforce represent the communities you want to work with? I think that's brilliant. And it's a long time overdue that they've started to ask those questions. Mm. It doesn't mean that you need to be living in the same street as that person, but are you an artist that's got the same lived experiences as that person that you want to work with? Are you both coming to the table and bringing something? Is there going to be an exchange of skills? And that's so vital in making sure that the theatre sector becomes more diverse. Mm. And actually quite recently, so I live in Bilbao as well in Nottingham, which is where we're doing a lot of our projects, which is so it's so handy because I can just walk <laughs> where I need to go. But, um, and obviously Michael also lives in Nottingham. And I went to the chippy one day and there was one of the girls was there from the young company. She was like, why are you here? I was like, well, apart from the obvious Checks, of my yeah. chips. <laughs> I mean, it's, I live here. And it got, she, she raised her eyebrows and she was taken aback that I lived there. And at that age, theatre is still seen as a middle class and upper class thing, that she was surprised that an artistic director of a theatre company lives in the same area as her. Mm. And the area that we live in does have pockets of real deprivation, but it's a lovely area. Like mm. the people are lovely. Um, the community, I feel like I've really got a sense of community here a little bit like I did when I was growing up and I think it's a really exciting time to be making theatre in a co-creation way because it's starting to be taken seriously because mm. I've been doing it for such a long time for at the start it was like oh it's not really proper theatre is it if you're working mm. with actors and the non-actors together or but now there's far more value on it and that's a good thing. I want to talk a little bit more about the um, Women in Theatre Project that you're running. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that and the specifics of it. So Women in Theatre, brackets East Midlands, <laughs> started, <laughs> it started in a pub in Nottingham pre-pandemic. It was a group of us that would just get together and decompress about the sector, be it the workforce and also the plays that we were seeing on stage and the representation of female characters. I think it's also important to say that it's women with an X mm. and that's to show that we are representative and the collective is made up of marginalised genders. We realise this just is so, so massive, like with women in theatre, just because it's the sector, it's got a long way to go for finding equality. The long hours and sociable hours, often women have to stop if they have children or caring responsibilities. Then place on top of that, if you're working class and you have to stop to have children, very often they will never come back into the sector because they cannot afford to. And we would talk about that as a group. And we would also talk about theatre shows that were on at the time. A hot topic that would come up with our, we call ourselves a collective, with the collective of women would be pantomime. Mm. The Cinderella character that needs saving or the lives of a female character is often revolves around men and how men treat them. So we'd like, we share exciting projects with each other. We collaborate with each other. We make a safe space for meetings, which is now online. When we went online in the pandemic and we moved to Zoom, the group grew a lot more from Nottingham. Mm. It grew out into the East Midlands. And we consult with the women, with the collective. 
to see what they want to discuss in meetings, what support opportunities they need. I know that there's been collaborations outside of the meeting. So it's a space where women who have often felt alone and felt really, well, just felt really shitty in, a, in an industry that doesn't always support them, where they can come together and share those experiences and then feel hopefully feel stronger for it and then be able to go back and challenge the norms and one thing that we always say to each other is that we this kind of imposter syndrome a as a woman and then b for the working class women that are in the group as well being working class so they feel like they don't have a voice in a room or they can't stand up to somebody so what our little trick is is that we will blow each other's trumpets mm. so if someone's done something amazing in their work we will share it on Twitter or give them a shout out or we'll be like have you got your tickets for this show so and so's been working on it and I know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for other women championing the work that I would do if it wasn't for other women supporting the work that I do and one person in particular is Justine Taman who works in Coventry at the Belgrade Theatre but she's also a cultural leader and director um, and she was so supportive of me early on in my career. I was a single parent. I was a single parent when I had my first child. I was benefit class. And then I was trying to make my way forward in a career. And she would be really supportive and ask questions like, how can we make this happen? How can we make sure you're part of this project? Or actually, can we make sure that rehearsals finish at this time so all can go home to collect for childcare? Or mm. this rehearsal is going to happen and all is going to bring her baby with her. And that, that was just the way it was going to be. Mm. Um, and that, for me, has just been fantastic for my career. Within Women in Theatre, our collective, we do that probably more on a micro level with each other. It's like, how can we give each other shout outs? How can we support each other? Let's get, the, get to the audiences and be those bums on seats and view the work of other women in the region. I'm, I think it's so important, that idea of, again about community and of having people support you both at the uh, same level as you and those who have managed to get into a higher position that they're yeah. they're making sure that there is a generation coming up behind them and it's For something sure. so interesting and of sharing each other's work it's very it's something that I think everyone can do more of and it's um yeah it's just brilliant what are the future plans with the theatre company and women in theatre and all of this work? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's to keep going, keep keep moving forward, because there's a one thing that I think our theatre company loves doing is challenging the typical forms of theatre. We enjoy finding new ways of making theatre. One thing that we really, really, really want to do sooner rather than later is have a shopfront theatre venue mm. that has civic responsibilities to the community that we're in. I'm really inspired by Slung Low and Kitty's Laundrette, who uh, Slung Low have the Working Men's Club and Kitty's Laundrette is a laundrette. And ha they, they make brilliant work, but they're also really aware of the community that they're in and have found other ways that they can serve them and become part of that community we'd be really keen to do that in the future but that would take a consultation with the community as well what do they want and what would mm. they need from a, a building that also has these civic responsibilities 
we've got a really big project coming up called Walking Stories, which is outdoor theatre that pops up in the area of Bilborough. And that's by design for lots of reasons. One, it's COVID safe. So if we have mm-hmm. spikes or whatever happens in the future, it will be outside. <laughs> um, second of all, it strips away those fears that theatre might not be for them because it's a bit fancy. Like, you, you know, you can wear what you want. You're out on the street. You can look at your phone. You can wave at your mate across the road. It doesn't really matter. We, we're prepared for that because we've designed the theatre to be, the theatre piece to be outside. And that's a massive collaboration piece um, with older people and younger people in the area. We've also got a very exciting female festival coming up, but it's all a bit, can't say too Oh, it's hush hush for now. It's yeah. That. <laughs> <But> <laughs> when it happens, be... we'll be going, yeah, oh yeah, this is happening. Remember yeah. that thing? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly it. And what we're, that's been designed to um, bring female theatre makers together to collaborate and make some work. Because Again, it's what uh, very often what we hear in the meetings is that women will say that they've stopped to have children, can't get back into theatre, or they've had to wait a very, very long time until they're much, much mm. older. And we've designed a festival where we will get creators into a room and then they start making, script something and share it on, programme it at a theatre. Because there's a lot of call outs that will say, oh, have you got a theatre piece ready? Mm. You know, come and bring it to this festival or this show. And, you know, there's there's a lot of women out there that are like, oh, I'm not ready for that. I've got a brilliant idea for mm. a script or I've written 15 pages, but I'm just not quite there. So mm. listening to the collective, we thought this would be a really exciting way to have a project that's longer term. The festival would be the end product, but it's about nurturing those relationships that we've actually, as a collective of women, we've become really good at. Mm. Now we just translate that into their rehearsal room and use that model there. We had one woman say that she got feedback once when she went for a job and they said, but you haven't worked in London. And she was like, how how am I meant to work in London? She was working class as well. How am I meant to work in London when I'm based in the East Midlands? I can't afford to just go and... Mm-hmm. be you know an assistant director and not get paid for it but it's good exposure or mm-hmm. just even buying a ticket to get down on the train and then finding your accommodation so I think you know we're very vocal about that as women in theatre it's really important that we get together and talk about these things and it's really important that we're vocal about it we do need to call these things out because mm. that's not okay the, it limits the theatre sector becoming diverse if we're still having comments like that Mm. where can people find out more about the work that you do okay so the twitter handle for women in theater is women with an x theater em and then for lit theater company it's lit underscore theater um, that's the best place to keep up to date with everything that we're doing. Orla, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been brilliant hearing more about your work and how great it is hearing more about community theatre work, getting the build up. It's just brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, speak soon. Okay, bye. Bye. 
And that is the episode. I'd love to thank Orla for coming and talking to me about her work and for you for listening to this episode of What is Your Working Class? Thank you so much and hopefully hear from me soon.